Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. It's going to be a verse by verse edition with Dr. R.B. Maynard. I should have wrote down uh, the bio now. Two-time Grace Point Daily Award winner. I know. Current uh, world record holder for longest member mm-hmm. in a church. Yeah, well, uh, I, think <laughs> I might be beat by LMA by a little bit. I don't know. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, by LMA? Yeah. She's been at Grace Point that long? 59 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so... But I was, I was here before her, but then we moved away for a little while and came back. And so she's probably the, she's the longest running consecutive member okay. of the church. Gotcha. It would be 59 years. It, uh, I'm yeah. 63, almost 64, was dedicated in the church. You know, we moved a couple of times during all that 64 years, but... You know, I became a member at 16 years old because they had junior mm-hmm. membership. So it's kind of a, it's she's the it's, longest consecutive, I guess, <laughs> member. It's like a LeBron James, Michael Jordan type argument, if you will. Yeah. Who's, who's greater? Yeah. The, is is the goat go, or am I the goat? Right, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so welcome into the Grace One Daily Podcast. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. The verse by verse we go through. That exactly is exactly what we do, verse by verse through the Bible. And so you can catch us on Facebook Live. You can uh, obviously listen to the podcast on all platforms. Like, share, subscribe. Make it a part of your weekly routine to listen to verse by verse. We appreciate you guys doing that. So uh, we're going to dive in. But we do have, uh, we got the studio back to a more manly look here on video. So that's good, Dr. Yeah, really. I wouldn't do it the other way. Pastor Rachel is getting ready for No Price Tag, which is a conference in our area, a girls' conference coming up August 6th, 7th, 8th, or 7th, 8th, 9th. Which one is it? I forget I now. Remember the uh, Thursday, either. Friday, Saturday. And so we encourage you guys, check that out. It'll be good. So she's been uh, interviewing some of the speakers, people that she has coming up. It should be really great again. So It was really good last time. Yeah, it'll be I was awesome. really impressed. So, all right, let's get into the word. Dr. R.B. Okay. Maynard. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 27, and... Again, for some people, the kings, all these kings and who reigned and what they did is a little bit uh, monotonous or boring, but you just find out different things about all these guys. And, and I, I keep saying, you know, if God didn't want us to know about it, it wouldn't be in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we can't just write it off and say, well, I don't, I'm not interested in that or that doesn't speak to me. Or, But I just, uh, I think it's, you can call it ironic or just God's plan for uh, where we're at in this, but, but the the book of Kings is so political and we're dealing with so much politics right now with everything that uh, when you read these things, uh, I, we talked about it in Sunday school the other day. It's just, we act like all this is new, you know, like all right. this upheaval and riots and wars or whatever, like all this stuff is mm-hmm. new and you're looking here thousands of years ago Yep, and they were having political unrest, one King and killing another King and, so, you know, it's really nothing new. I don't know that that's a, you know, that should make us feel any better right. about it. <laughs> but sometimes we act like it's brand new and it's really not. So anyway, verse 27 and 28, it says, Basha, son of Ahijah of the house of, of Issachar, plotted against him and he struck him, struck him down at Gibbethon, a Philistine town, while Nadab and all Israel were besieging it. Basha killed Nadab in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, and succeeded him as king. And this is a fulfillment if you read, I mean, we I don't know if we covered it probably on the podcast because it's in chapter 14, but in 1411 it says, Dogs will eat those belonging to Jeroboam 
who die in the city, and the birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. The Lord has spoken. And so Nadab is a son of Jeroboam, and it talks about what's going to happen in 1 Kings 14, 11, talks about what's going to happen to Jeroboam and what's going to happen to his family, his sons. And so what, what they're talking about in this verse is a fulfillment of what was, you know, that's all part of why we believe the Bible to be true because we see these things that were, uh, I mean, there's lots of reasons to believe, but one reason to believe is fulfilled prophecies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at it and then you have to decide, am I going to believe all of it or if I'm, am I going to believe part of it? And so I think that's one thing about the kings. You see things that were predicted and then things that I shouldn't say predicted. That sounds like uh, some kind of uh, psychic or something, but things that were prophesied. Mm-hmm. But so, and, and then I, I, I love that. It says, the Lord has spoken. You know, there are some things in the Bible that says, unless you turn, this is going to happen. And then maybe the people turned and it says God relented. God changed his mind. I heard a, uh, somebody say one time, God doesn't change. We use that all the time. It says God doesn't change, but God does change his mind. And so in some of these instances, it says God relented, God relented. But in this, it just says the Lord has spoken. In other words, he's not saying they wouldn't have had an opportunity, like now God's forcing them to do this thing that's not right. It's just saying they're not going to change, and so... The Lord has spoken. It's going to happen just like he said it's going to happen. So uh, 29 and 30, as soon as he began to reign, he killed Jeroboam's whole family. He did not leave Jeroboam anyone that breathed, but destroyed them all according to the word of the Lord given through his servant Ahijah the Shilonite because of the sins of Jeroboam had committed and had caused Israel to commit and because he provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger and I just, you know, we we think we live in rough times right now, but there are some protections. I mean, you know, somebody, if they uh, go in and kill the president, they don't generally wipe out the whole family. Now, I'm sure there's some people who would (laughs) like to do that, some Mm -hmm. of the haters that, and, you know, again, we're not being political. I don't care who the president is. We we don't want that to happen. I don't want them to die in order for somebody to become president. But there are people... There are people out there who would mm-hmm. like to see our president dead. <laughs> and I don't think they necessarily want the vice president that we have now to be president either. But, uh, but these, are, these are hard, harsh times when a guy decides that he wants to be king and he just kills the other king and becomes king. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have all the details, but he, there must be a great following for that guy before he does it because otherwise – you know how's he gonna how's he gonna stay? How's he gonna survive as king if nobody wants him in there? If somebody else is gonna kill him mm-hmm. and become king, yeah. so uh, it's amazing, honestly, that some of them reigned for forty years. I mean, they must have been great to reign for forty years when all you gotta do is kill him and put somebody else in there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Thirty-one. As for the other events of Nadab's reign and all he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings? of Israel. We've talked about that every time we read that phrase, that it's just the record books of things that uh, that these different kings have, have done. Verse 32, there was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, throughout their reigns. Uh, it's just a sad time that, in other words, it doesn't matter what they do, they never got along. And again, 
I, I don't know if I've forgotten how things used to be. I don't know if it's um, the fact that we have so much video and news media and all those things now. Maybe it's always been this way. But in my lifetime, I've never seen such a great division between Democrat, Republican. Hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, before it's like, well, maybe they couldn't agree, but then they would agree on these things and get them passed. And it just seems like now that if the Republicans want something, the Democrats vote against yeah. it. And if the Democrats want it, the Republicans vote against it. <laughs> I mean, it's just almost right straight down the lines. Yep. And so uh, it's just a sad time, but it's talking about Asa and Basha, king of Israel, throughout their reigns they fought. Never could get along. In the third year, 1533, in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, Basha, uh, son of Ahijah, became king of Israel in Terza, and he reigned 24 years. That's another, we are just talking about that's, Amazing that they reigned that long. And then it says, He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, walking in the ways of Jeroboam and his son, which he had caused Israel to commit. We talked about that many times over. Again, that's another phrase that this king was worse than the other king and, and that he walked in the ways of his father and, and his son and then all the sins that he had caused Israel to commit. The next king came along and instead of, you know, we heard that phrase, draining the swamp. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that, that new king comes along and still, that's what's amazing to me is you would think there'd be a complete change. Whatever that last king did that was so terrible that somebody killed him and became king, you'd think the next king would not do those same things. But then the scripture just tells us that, uh, you know, I guess what is history is going to repeat itself, that the new king comes in and says he followed in the ways of Jeroboam and, and the sins that he caused Israel to commit. We talk about the, the kings, relating it to pastors, to, to whoever that we falsely um, teach people things that cause them to, to sin. And mm-hmm. that's, what's, that's what's happened through all of this. So um, 16, chapter 16. New chapter, here we new go. New chapter. It'll take us another month, but we're starting a new chapter. Yeah, Jesus is coming back. You better get get with I, it here. I know. I don't think <laughs> I definitely am not going to finish the Bible before right. <laughs> I either die or or the Lord comes back. So I don't think I have that many years left. But be one of the greatest untold stories. Yep. In uh, yeah, what do we do classes, now? Whatever. <laughs> you know, people won't have to study their Bibles anymore if nobody's doing yep. verse by verse. So. Sixteen one and 2, Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, son of Hanani, against Basha. I lifted you up from the dust and made you leader of my people Israel, but you walked in the ways of Jeroboam, here we go again, and caused my people Israel to sin and provoked me to anger by their sins. And I, you know, I love this phrase, and, and I don't know sometimes why God speaks a certain thing to a certain person and maybe not to someone else. But really what he's saying here is, who do you think you are? And I brought you up from nothing and put you where you are now. How do you think that that you deserve any credit or that you're somebody? Mm -hmm. I said, uh, there was a a guy that used to go to church here, and um, he was a black guy, a friend of ours. Kelly Stevens led him to the Lord. He was on the sheriff's department. Uh, Fred Williams, great guy. And... uh, but we would tease him sometimes, and he had that phrase, you ain't nobody. 
you know. <laughs> and so that was kind of tossed around between him and Kelly and I. You know, you ain't nobody. <laughs> and I think that's exactly what this is saying here. You ain't nobody. And and I, I remind myself of that constantly. I, I have no reason to have any kind of arrogance in the church mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, the, I think the Lord would say, who do you think you are? Right. Yes. You know, just because you've been in the church, we joke <laughs> about that. We talk about that. How long I've been in the church mm-hmm. doesn't mean a thing. Right. I mean, I don't have. I mean, it does. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm glad of that. I am proud of that. But I'm not proud of me mm-hmm. in in that sense. And and I the things that I've been able to do in the church, I look at those things and and I really I am humbled. I'm humbled that I sit here and do this. I'm humbled that I teach a Sunday school class. I'm humbled that I've been in the pulpit on a Wednesday night or or whatever. I'm humbled that I play on the worship team. Those things humble me because mm-hmm. I realize, you know, well, when it comes to all the teaching and and the verse by verse, all these different things, I realize that, you know, I don't have a college degree. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't, you know, I wasn't an, a 4.0 student in high school who has great learning abilities and I don't know what my IQ is. You know, I've never been, we probably don't want to yeah. test for that. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, I, I just, I look at all those things. Being, I mean, being a deacon, I feel so privileged in those areas because I look at that like, I didn't do anything to, quote, deserve this. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a great scripture for all of us to look at and say, you know, I brought, I lifted you up from the dust. <laughs> You are not. You're the only reason, and and it goes for you and me. And the only reason you're pastor of this church is because God lifted you up and made you pastor of this church. Mm-hmm. Not because, because you know what? There's lots of other guys out there that have Bible degrees. Yeah. There's lots of other guys who can preach and sing, and you know. And in in my case, there's plenty of people who can teach a Sunday school class, and and all of those things. So I think we need we have to remind ourselves where we where we came from. Mm-hmm. You know, Amen. And uh, but uh, but when I get that thought ahead. in my head that says I am the Jimmy Swaggart of Carthage, Missouri, right? Yeah, you better got to humble myself. You better humble yourself. <laughs> Forget where you came from, <laughs> because you ain't nobody, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Basha, and he had, he got the kingdom by treachery and murder. So, uh, you know, he didn't. It wasn't like God came in and said. I want you to be king and, you know, made all the arrangements and made everything work out. But he comes in with treachery and murder to get it. But then it still says, if you back up there where it talks about, you know, the Lord has spoken, um, the, God had predicted that he would be a king, and now he is the king. And and the problem with that, and we, again, you have to keep reminding yourselves, as you go through these kings, it may say God placed them or um, God put them in as the king or whatever, but it does not always mean that the way it happened was God's will. It doesn't, you know, if we lived under the perfect will of God, we'd have never had Adam and Eve to sin. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be dealing with, we wouldn't have to pray about things. We would just know the right things. We wouldn't have to ask God, what do you want me to do? And yeah. we'd be living in a different culture. But, you know, I don't care if, and, and again, I am not trying to promote or tear down presidents or whatever. But if you thought the last president was the worst president that was ever in office, 
I would still say God put him there. Mm-hmm. Now, those are hard words when you don't like somebody. I mean, you could be a, a Barack Obama hater and say, there's no way God wanted him in the White House. Well, the word tells us that God places people. Mm-hmm. It yep. does not mean that God <laughs> is, is uh, favorable towards everything that the president does. doesn't mean that that president is perfect and walks in the perfect will of God every day any more than I do. You know, I fail. And that president fails every day. So you cannot look at things and say, because it worked out, then that was God's will. But I don't like this guy because there's plenty of people out there, (laughs) Christian people who would say that it was God's will and Donald Trump is the best guy. And then there's Christians who would say, I don't know how he got in there. That wasn't God's will for him to be the president. So, you know, we have to believe somehow that God places these things, uh, kings in place to bring about whatever needs to happen for the future. You know, it could be, could be we get a president to punish us. <laughs> I mean, for our, our lack of humility or whatever it may yep. be. So, um, but, uh, but God had predicted these things, and when God, when God says it'll happen, just like that last verse, the Lord God has spoken. It's, you talked about this morning, Jesus is coming back. You know, we could put that phrase, the Lord God has spoken. That's not, he's coming back if we all get to this certain condition. And yes, mm-hmm. he did put some stipulations sure. of when his return was, but he didn't give us the day. He didn't say, if you'll do these things, I'll come back and, and get you. He just said, I'm coming back. And, you know, people get ready. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's what, what you're, I won't re-preach your uh, message this morning. But, yeah. Um, 16, 3, and 4. So I am about to consume Basha and his house, and I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nabat. Dogs will eat those belonging to Basha who die in the city, and the birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. Uh, same phrase that's been used at, at different time. It's the same punishment as, as Jeroboam's uh, family, and it's, it's bad enough that there's sin, but then the whole family is going to get wiped out. I mean, that's what, you know, we can't even imagine these things in these days that you would go in and, um, you know, we don't want you to be a pastor at Grace Point anymore, so we're going to kill you. And your your family, your your wife is going to (laughs) die, and then we're going to go find your dad, and we're going to, you know, we're going to find your mom and your brothers and sisters, and we're going to wipe it out, so... So the Johnson name, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the purpose of it. Yeah, So right. generations down the road, no, I mean, can you imagine that kind of hatred mm-hmm. towards somebody that you want to wipe them completely out so that their lineage yep. will actually stop wow. at some point? Uh, we, we think <laughs> there's a lot of hatred in, in, that, in the world today, mm-hmm. but I don't even think we've reached the level of what some of this was in the Old Testament, these kings for each other, yeah. and for families, and wiping out the complete, you know, generations, so no yeah. Johnson was ever going to live, yeah, to wow. to pastor anywhere again. Wow. That's how much we hate mm-hmm. you, in other words. Yeah. So, wow. Um, and it's it, again it happened to Jeroboam's family. Now it's coming back again, um, and and these things, I know. God gives us through prophets. He does give us 
a glimpse of the future. Again, we know he's coming back, and and there are prophetic things that we can look at. Sometimes we have a word from the Lord, but we don't know how it's going to be fulfilled. Uh, it's just like, you know, I've heard evangelists at different times, and I'm not even going to say they're always a word from God because an evangelist has that, I, sh- I shouldn't, they have that uh, mentality sometimes that if I tell this church, I see mm-hmm. God's going to do great. I see this being the center <laughs> yep. of revival in Carthage, Missouri. And, tickle the ears. I call right. it tickle the ears. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. And yep. and maybe maybe there's been a prophet who has spoken those words or a word of prophecy, whatever, and that is going to be fulfilled. But I don't know how. You know, if they say. It's like you said before, uh, we want revival in Carthage. But most of us would say we want revival at Grace Point. Yeah. We want everybody from all the other churches to be coming to Grace Point mm-hmm. because we're having great revival <laughs> services. And and honestly, I've been through a little of that. And, and not only what I've experienced, but what I've heard, one of the greatest detriments to revival is fatigue. Mm. because you're here every night. Yeah. And if if it's in your church, you've got logistics, yeah. <laughs> you've got cleaning, you've got mm-hmm. um, ushers, you've got security. You you know, in other words, if they were lined up outside of our doors like they were in Brownsville, I mean, the logistics of that yeah. are, it would almost, I, I would think sometimes it would almost be hard to participate in the spirituality of it because I'm, I never go to a service because, like Kelly yeah. Stevens, I'm always in security. Yep. I'm always right, having right. to watch the building. <laughs> or, uh, you know, people don't realize the fatigue that is involved with not or with coming to church, especially every night. Yeah. Because that's what a lot of people think revival is, too, is, well, it has to be a series of services. Mm-hmm. We're going to have revival services the next three nights. Yeah. We're going to have revival services this week. You know, we put time frames on it. Like yep. it couldn't happen every Sunday from now till right. the end of the year. It's got to be mm-hmm. a, a period of time, in other words, to be a true revival. Yeah. And that's not the case either. Right. And uh, so, an- anyway, some of these things, um, I don't sometimes we like to say we'd like to know the future like these guys this guy's going to be king this guy's going to kill this guy whatever we like to know the future i wouldn't want to know the future if i was that guy that somebody's going to come along and kill me and right. kill my entire family <laughs> yeah i mean and maybe kill them first i mean maybe i've got to watch maybe that's part of my punishment i've got to watch them kill my family before they kill me mm-hmm. and so this was these were brutal times yes people think Right. <laughs> I mean, God is a God of love and compassion and mercy and grace, but he is also a God of, of anger. Mm-hmm. And it, it says here, he was angry. Well, let me back up uh, back in verse 2. Um, it caused my people Israel to sin and provoked me to anger by their sins. Mm-hmm. God, doesn't, God doesn't go around mad at people, but he can be provoked to anger. Mm-hmm. And... I have to think right now he's probably a little upset. <laughs> yeah. If he can be provoked to anger, <laughs> you know, watch out when God gets mad. But, uh, and then, uh, you know, it talk, it's talking about the future here. Dogs will eat 
in the city. The birds will eat the bodies in the country. I mean, even at that, we look at, at uh, the death of our relatives and those kind of things. You know, we want a nice casket. We want flowers around. We want a nice eulogy and some nice songs and yep. uh, a trip to the cemetery with all the cars and, you know, all that. I'm not going to call it hype because I think it is a good thing. Yeah. But then it's talking about here, you're not going to get any of that. Mm-hmm. We're going to not only, and I, you know, I hate to bring this down home, but that's sometimes the only way we can, I mean, I would hate for, for to know that my kids are going to die and not only they're going to die, mm-hmm. my grandkids, but they're just going to leave their bodies out to, yeah, to waste away. I, I, I was not uh, there when it happened, but one of the stories I can tell is when I was in Haiti. Mm-hmm. I've been there several times pre and post when they had the earthquake mm-hmm. back in the day, and so I was there post earthquake with Convoy of Hope, and they were building a new facility. But one of the things we did in the duration of our trip is we went out to uh, the large grave site when uh, when they mm-hmm. had. Um, so basically what they did is uh, when the earthquake happened thousands of people died well they don't have the logistics or the ability to tag all those bodies and have all these funerals so what they did is they just threw them all in a dump truck uh, and bodies so just smashed bodies in a big dump truck dumped made one giant hole Mm -hmm. and then just dump trucked and just poured dumped them in the uh, hole and when they got all done they covered them all up so no nice casket no nice clothes right. take the dead body toss it in a dump truck along with all the other hundreds mm-hmm. of de- dead bodies take it out to the uh the dump right dump right. it in the hole we're good to go yep. uh, you know so to think of thousands i mean not just mm-hmm. one not right. just 10 not just a hundred but several thousand people mm-hmm. just tossed in a hole covered up i know uh, and some of them you know who 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 you know again they didn't take the time dna testing right who was that put an ad in the paper uh right. let's have even a celebration mm-hmm. that's what happened so yeah i mean to us that would be make us aghast or you know I whatever know. just be like oh my goodness that's so horrible but right well just with all the coronavirus and what they were talking about in some of the bigger cities and the number of deaths that the funeral homes couldn't keep up and you know it wasn't to that extreme i don't think that we were you know, yeah, mass and graves, this is happening but, in uh, you know being in Africa, guys, Somalia, uh, mm-hmm. Sudan, uh, these areas where right. people killed all the time and mm-hmm. just left there and right. move on with life. Right. Uh, yeah, we don't. I don't think we get a grasp on a lot of things in the word because we live in America. Yeah. I mean, we don't realize, and we don't. We forget sometimes that this word was not written to Americans. I mean, we do use this word, but yep. it's written to these Hebrew. Uh, speaking Arabic, Arabic, I can't even say the word. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, the different languages and all of those different things and all the different people, the Bible was written. If we don't have some understanding of what they went through, yeah. and I think it'd probably do everybody good to see, well, mission trips. I mean, I've been mm-hmm. to Mexico. I've seen poverty. I've seen sickness with no doctors. I've seen all those kind of things. You know, it it'll change your life. Yeah. If uh, you know, I know you always say. Go on a mission trip. Go on a mission yep. trip. It, it does change your life and changes Perspective your, your way of thinking. Look on life. Because uh, like I said, uh, much of the Old Testament is foreign to us, but I'm sure right. much of the people that, uh, a lot of people in the world today would not it would not be mm-hmm. foreign to countries, right? strongly Islamic countries where people are being murdered for their faith or 
mm-hmm. functioning in government systems where, uh, you know, killing is, right. <laughs> you know, like uh, North Korea, etc. Countries like this were uh, dominated mm-hmm. by governments that if you would get out of hand, uh, you know, right. going, to, you know, relating it to our culture, you know, we can protest and, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen the downside of protesting in our, our culture today, people, you know, going into, just let them go into the target, just those right. kind of things that happen where if, you know, some countries, if you did that today, that's a bullet to the head and mm-hmm. there is going to be any outcry from the people right. would not be right. heard. Yeah. We haven't that, found that is still happening in governments today. We haven't found the happy medium. <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know that it's a gun to the head every time, but, but then again, we allow so much, you know, there's countries that if you steal something, they cut your hand off. I mean, yeah. so that might, I'm sure we that, are in still such a blessed country. We oh, don't we even understand, but, uh, but, uh, you know, and again, those countries, like you say, they probably have better understanding Somalia and places. They would probably read these scriptures and not think nearly about that. Like we do like, Oh man, I can't imagine that. But there they're like, they just read through it. Like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen bodies laying out there and yep. the birds picking them apart. I mean, they've probably seen that. I've not seen that yeah. in my lifetime. So, um, let's see where, well, one more, couple more verses. As for the other events of Basha's reign, what he did and his achievements are they not written in the book of the annals of the Kings of Israel. Basha rested with his fathers and was buried in Terza and Elah, his son succeeded him as King. Verse seven, moreover, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Jehu, son of Hanani to Basha and his house because of all the evil he had done in the eyes of the Lord. Here you go provoking him to anger by the things he did and becoming like the house of Jeroboam and also because he destroyed it. And, I, you know, I think, and again, wouldn't it be terrible? Not only Jeroboam has been this bad guy, but now, you know, it would be, I don't, I don't even know any names, but it would be like uh, talk, writing your uh, life story and and making a statement that, well, you were, uh, your house was kind of like, what's his name over there, that was a worthless, mm-hmm. God-angering, uh, lying, cheating, murdering, treachery. Your, your house kind of reminds me of that. <laughs> I mean, and that's what uh-huh. they're saying here. You're like the yeah. house of Jeroboam. I mean, how terrible is it? <laughs> you know, it's bad enough that God would, would, uh, correct me you know and and i'd be humbled because god spoke and said hey rick you did something wrong but then to to know i know that that other guy's house was a horrible place and god says you're just like they are yeah and we don't oh man if if somebody says that to us you know hey pastor jeremiah you remind me of that other pastor over there that you know this terrible path you remind me Mm -hmm. well you know what first of all what we do well, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not because that's the whole Pharisee attitude. I'm glad I'm not like them. That was the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad I'm not like them, and and that's what. So I'll I'll finish up with this. But the fate of Basha and Jeroboam, they were they were very similar because they both had done almost exactly the same wrong things, provoking God, misleading people into sin those kind of things that said both of them were succeeded by a son that ruled less than two years. So you have these guys who ruled 20 years, 40 years or whatever. And now it says who ruled less than two years. 
Both of them were overthrown and killed. Both of them were, while they were besieging the city of Gibbethon, so both of them doing the exact same thing, and both of their families were completely wiped out. And so, you know, God, I know sometimes we look at the way God punishes people or whatever. Well, let me back up. We look at the way society punishes people, and we say, well, how did that guy get uh, probation, and this other guy did the yeah. same thing, and <laughs> right. he got yeah. five years in prison? You know, we look at the injustice in things, and but with, with these things, and we talked about this quite a bit in Sunday school class the other day, that, that we have to believe that God is just, that God is a fair judge, because I don't, if someone came, comes to me and says, how come this godly family in the church has got this child who's sick? Mm-hmm. Why has this godly family who served God their whole life and now the husband has Alzheimer's and is in a nursing? I mean, it does not seem fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times do we, it's just not fair. And it's not fair in our eyes because we believe godly people should be rewarded with health, strength, mm-hmm. money. You know, we're, we're not a prosperity church. We're, I'm not a prosperity teacher by any means. But we get that mentality that we deserve something because we've served God. And, and it's hard when, especially, when, it's easy for us to say to the guy laying in bed that's sick, well, you know, God must have a plan in all this. Uh, right. But if it's me laying in the bed that's sick, don't come in there and tell me that mm-hmm. because I'm sick. Yeah. I just want to feel better. And I, I've said it many times when people are trying to preach some of this stuff, uh, the prosperity teaching, and I've tried to remember this, I believe in God's blessings. I believe God can heal. I believe God can do anything because I've read the word and I've seen what he can do. But I also believe that any message you're going to preach should preach anywhere in the world. So if you're going to go to Somalia and preach, then I don't believe you can. You can't say, God, well, God's going to prosper you. If you'll give your tithe, mm-hmm. you're going to be prosperous. Yeah. Well, we think that means you're going to have money and food but you know what? There's people in every country under every situation that they die of starvation. They die of mm-hmm. illnesses, malaria, and things in different countries. They die of different things. And there are godly people that fall in that category too. And so we can't say that God is unjust because we see that over there and this over mm-hmm. here because we do things right and God owes us something. <laughs> but in, in this case, this particular case, it was... Uh, an eye for an eye. Both of these guys almost did the exact same thing, and they both got the exact same punishment for what they what they've done. And so, I guess the lesson in this finishing up today is that we need to remember that God is just. And every time we say it's just not fair, we might be right in our eyes. It does not seem fair, mm-hmm. but God gets it, and God's just. God's not doing something that somebody didn't deserve or uh, in his plan of things, it has to work like that. Uh, we need to realize God is fair and yep. right and just. So, Amen. We'll so there we are. We are currently in First 
Kings chapter 16 now, right, Dr. Maynard? Yes. Uh, so we're diving in there. So read along with us. We'll pick that uh, pick up from there next week. So thanks for joining Verse by Verse. Whether you're watching it, whether you're listening to it, we really appreciate it. And uh, check out future episodes of the Verse by Verse Grace One Daily podcast. So thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time.